Good morning. I want to say, first of all, this is roomy. I hadn't been up here in a while, and we were in Niagara last Sunday, and it was so tiny. We were in the gym this morning, it was tiny. I feel like I have a lot of room to dance around here this morning. I say that because I need to move around. Uh, last Sunday, we weren't able to move around, and, and I almost had an accident, or almost had, fall, I, I had trouble, put it that way. How many of you are celebrating Family Day this weekend? Really? That's it? How many of you are benefiting from your employer who pays Monday for you to stay home and celebrate family? Yeah, that's right. That's great. God has instituted family, but I'm so grateful that even our government has uh, sees the need and the necessity for the families to, uh, to be together, to, for the families to spend time together with each other. I'm really grateful for that. I'm one of those who gets to pay uh, uh, employees for having the day off, but it doesn't bother me. It's actually kind of, uh, it's a privilege. Whether they spend it with, uh, with their family or otherwise, at least the opportunity is given, right? So I'm very grateful for that. I do not want to speak to you this morning about family, or at least about family day. But I do want to share something that has been dear to me for a long time. I want to share with, if, uh, with you this morning out of chapter 14 of John, and just verse 1 and 3, as you see in, your, in, in the bulletin this morning. I, although I don't, want to, I don't want to talk about family, or I don't want to, I didn't prepare a sermon for the family. I do want to say that families today all around us are torn apart. We have an enemy who is out to steal, kill, and destroy, and we today see the evidence of it. Families are hurting all around. When you see, you used to look in the, in the news, and you saw this in the news, and you thought, oh, that's too bad. But today, you don't have to step out of your own home sometimes to actually see the brokenness, the devastation, the hurt, the pain. And I want to talk to you this morning about where we can find comfort. Chapters 13, 14, and 15 of John are farewell chapters. And before I go, I want to just simply say, if, if some of you were in the, in, in the gym and you're in here now and you're going to say, okay, you know, I have a, I'm going to find out how accurate he's going to be from what he said before to, to now. Well, I'll tell you, you'll be totally, totally disappointed because I'm not even trying to, to preach the same message. The message is the same, but it's going to, I'm going to say different things, so don't even, don't even bother. It's a, those are farewell chapters. Jesus is saying goodbye to his, his disciples. He's trying to, to let them know that, you know what, I'm going, to, I'm going to not be with you much longer. Chapters 13, 14, and 15, they talk about his goodbyes. They talk about how he is preparing the disciples, and the disciples uh, are going to be left, be left alone. He, the cross for Jesus is nearing. They're going to go to Jerusalem where he will be crucified. They say that a person who is on his deathbed speaks only the things that are most important to him. And Jesus now is telling the disciples what is most important to him. And he's telling them the things that are 
that are going to happen. So in our text, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, he says, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And the disciples are, they have trouble. Jesus here says, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. Don't get discouraged. Think about it a little bit. You have been walking with a Savior for three whole years who has been who has been instructing you, who's been molding you, who's been shaping you, who's been preparing you, and now he says, hey, I got to go. And the disciples are experiencing that, and, they, and they're sad. So when Jesus is saying here, let not your hearts be troubled, it's actually an interesting thing because he's just telling the disciples that he's going to go. They have, they're, they're walking through a difficult time. They're not understanding. Perhaps maybe at one point they were thinking that Jesus was going to establish his, uh, his earthly kingdom, and maybe they forgot about that, but now they're, now they're focusing on the Savior who's been walking with them. They feel good, and now he's saying, I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm leaving. So they're, having diff- they're going through a difficult time, and Jesus said, hey, let not your hearts be troubled. They were sad and worried because their master was, uh, was telling them that uh, he could not be with them any, any, any longer. We're on our way to Jerusalem where he's going to be crucified. The shepherd is going, and the sheep will be left behind and one of them will betray him. He's telling them that they're on their way to Jerusalem. They didn't have a lot of time to prepare. They're devastated. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house, he says, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, he says, you will be also. It's needful for Jesus to leave because if he doesn't leave, the Father will not send the Holy Spirit, the helper. So Jesus is telling, I need to go. But don't worry. I go to prepare a place for you. Somehow that should have comforted them. But we don't see that in the text. So our key this morning is in our text is, let not your hearts be troubled. I say that because in our families, we, we experience difficulties. We have troubles. I shared with my wife this morning on our way to church. I said, I should be rejoicing. I should be joyful. I should be happy this morning. And yet I'm not. In my own, my own family, who has never been closer than we are today, I can't fathom that the enemy is is, uh, attentive and he is coming in and he sees that our family finally is finally coming closer together and he doesn't like it and he's, he's destroying, he's trying to destroy it. We don't walk, we don't have to walk very far, we don't have to turn on the, the news we listen, we can see it in, even in our own families. So 
So the disciples were walking through a difficult time, and Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he's saying the same thing to us today. When these things happen, when you have troubles, when you have problems, bring them to me. I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to be honest with you. I've I got to be transparent. So I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this here, and sometimes they tell me, well, why don't you just preach, or why don't you just uh, uh, walk it before you preach it? It is easier for me to be up here and tell you that that's what the Bible says to do. Although I have, I have brought this situation before God, I'm not standing up here telling you, yeah, yeah, you know what, everything's taken care of. <laughs> it is taken care of, sure it is. But here's, here's, an, here's an issue, we have to do this by faith. We, we are walking by faith. We have to believe that Jesus will take care of this. This is not something that I can control. This isn't something that's in my hands to control. This isn't up to me. This isn't me. But you know what there, what there is for me to do? It is to, uh, for me to be on my knees and, and, and talk to the Almighty God and talk to Jesus who says, let not your hearts be troubled. It is up to me to do that. I have an obligation. I need to stand in a gap for those kinds of situations. Your troubles and, your troubles and my troubles, Jesus says, bring them to me. Perhaps some of you are finding yourselves in difficult situations. Marriages are suffering all around. I said this before, struggling, a struggling marriage, I'm not, uh, I'm not so sure is a bad marriage. I think a struggling marriage is a thriving marriage. You, if you have difficulties, you work them through, you work, you work them out, you can become better. You can come out on the other side much stronger. But if you have a shattered marriage, a, a destroyed marriage, that's what I want to talk about. Those are the ones that are hurting the most. Families are falling apart all over the place. Finances are in ruins in many of people's lives. Maybe your son or your daughter are addicted to drugs or any other issue that they might have. Maybe you have an incurable disease and you don't know how, how to deal with it or where to go with that. Maybe your children are not walking with God. Whatever the situation is that you find yourself in this morning, Jesus comes and he says, let not your, tr your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. He's not surprised by it. Don't be discouraged. Don't worry, my child, he says. I'll care for you. John 10.10 10 tells us that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Somebody the other day said he's already done the stealing. He's, all, he's, he's already done the... Uh, uh, the stealing, the destroying, he's now to come to, uh, for the kill. Although that may be true, what he doesn't know is that we are more than conquerors in him who loved us, Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. And sometimes I see us uh, as, as family of God, as, as children of, uh, of Most High King, with a power within us that resurrected him from the dead, defeated in when we shouldn't be. We don't have, any, we have no reason to be defeated. We are more than conquerors in Him who loved us. We should, uh, we should stand tall and in the name of Jesus, denounce Him and rebuke Him in any situation. Oh, you say that's easier said than done? True. But do it anyway. 
I said the other day to someone, I said, uh, do you like yourself? person said, no, I, I, no, not really, not really. I said, can you, go, can you stand in front of the mirror and look in, uh, look in the mirror and say, I like you? No. Why not? Well, I don't know. Just, I don't know. I said, I want you to do me a favor. I said, next time you go into the bathroom, I want you to stand in the mirror and I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say, I love you. I can't do that. I said, why can't you do that? I said, if, I said do you believe that God made you? Well, yeah. I said, do you, do you believe that God made you perfect? Yeah. I said, do you believe that God gave you the power to be a child of God? Yeah. Well, I said, then why not, why not act it out? But I said, it's, it's, if you have love within you, then you can stand in front of the mirror and you can say that I love that person. Oh, you're not standing there and say, hey, you know, it's... You know, I kind of I look good. I'm not saying, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the actual person that God created because that person that God created is, is His. You are His. And I got to tell you that I am proud, not in an arrogant way, to be, I am privileged more than that, I think I should say, to be a child of the Most High King. And I like myself. I'm not talking about the things I do and the things I don't do, as Paul would even, even say, that I like those things that I don't and I shouldn't do and all that kind of I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about I like myself because God has created me. We belong to Him. But we walk as though we are defeated. When we belong to the Most High King, we have no reason to be down there, folks. And you say, well, how would I not be disappointed? if my family is falling apart, my marriage is, my marriage is destroyed, my children are not walking with, with God, why would I not be discouraged about that? And Jesus comes and He says, don't get stressed out over that. Why does Jesus not just fix this problem then that, uh, that we have? We're all worried we're all tied in a knot and we don't know how to deal with these situations. Why doesn't he just take care of it? He knows what the issue is. But instead he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Ask your question, what do you do with your children when your children come to you and they're all hyped and they have just discovered something and they want to tell you something, but they're so hyped, they, they just, they, they can't even breathe and they, 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 they just, they really want to tell you something, but, but, but and, and they do all that, kind of, what do you do? Go into the corner for a while, and when you settle down, you come and tell me. No, that's not what you do. You know what we do? We actually get down to their level, and we say, no, 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 no just a minute. I, I know, I know, I know. Now calm down. That's what we do. And then you say, what do you want? And they look up and they say, a candy. No, that's not probably what they're saying, but then at least they can think clearly we calm them down before we can speak to them. They need to be calm for us to be able to speak to them. And for God to do a work in our lives, He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Calm down. Now, tell me your problems, He says. I'll carry them for you. I'll give you rest, He says. He says, you are mine. I care for you. I love you. I'll take care of it for you. After Jesus was feeding the multitude in Matthew 8, 23, 26, he says, now 
when he got into the boat and his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with, with the waves, but he was asleep. He was asleep downstairs. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful? Why, why do you, what's your problem? Why, why, do, why are you fearful, he says. And he says, oh, you have little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. We, we don't realize that if we take our problems and bring them to Jesus, we will experience calm. We're all hyped, like our children. We, 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 we know we have problems, but we just don't know where to go and all that kind of thing. And we don't experience a calm because we're all hyped. And he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Then, so the men marveled, saying, who can this be? that even the winds and the sea obey him. Another one in Matthew 14, 22, 32, after feeding the 5,000, Jesus walks on, where Jesus is walking on the water, he says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He took time to be with God. How many times do you not take time for yourself and your head is all full and you don't know where to go and you have problems here and more problems come and all this kind of thing is happening to you, and you just don't take time, and you just figure you're going to make it through. I shared it earlier, and I'll share it again with you too. I, I don't know why I share these things with you uh, folks, because they actually embarrass me. Uh, but this is, this is me, and I want to be transparent, because very often uh, people have come to me and say, well, you think you've got it all? No, I don't think I've got it all together at all. I'll share, I'll share something here with you that, that'll, that'll actually confirm that. On Friday, I think it was, or Thursday, we had a phone call, and, and, and there, was a, there, was a, there was a dispute between me and a supplier from the United States. I was in the right. I really was. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I was actually in the right. Yeah, for once. So we had a dispute. Things escalated. This person wouldn't understand me, wouldn't listen to me. And I said, okay, okay, we're not going to go there. I said, I want to speak to your supervisor. I said, I want to speak to higher up. I said, if there's higher than that, I said, I want to speak to him too. And, and if higher than even that, I, I was getting upset. I want to make sure that I'm going to get my point across. Well, she says, I'm going to have to put, uh, I'm going I'm to see who I, who, who I can find. And she says, I will get my supervisor to call you. Okay, and she, so she hung up the phone. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting there. This is getting to be right, right around 4 o'clock now in the afternoon. And I'm like, oh, no, they're not going to call today. So I said to my secretary, i got to go home. But I said, if she calls, let, give her my number. I want to talk to her today while I'm still hot. 
today I still remember, and I'm, I'm angry, and I want to resolve this issue today. And the person did call, and I'm like, ooh, goody, we're going to take care of this. You know what the mistake I made, even though I wasn't the right? The mistake I made was not waiting to be calm. I didn't bring this before God where Jesus could have said to me, let not your heart be troubled. Oh, I was troubled, but let not your heart be troubled. I would have made a much more wiser decision if I would have waited till the next morning. Sometimes, instead of taking a breath when your wife, your spouse, or your husband, or your children say something to you, we want to say it right now because right now I, I, I can speak my, my mind. I can speak the way I feel. Immediately afterwards, how often don't you see the, the hurt that you caused by your words to your loved one? That's why Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Then he says in, in the 24th verse, Now when evening came, he was, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubling. They were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus uh, spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? How many times do you bring your problems that you have, your families, your children, whatever it is, your addictions, and you, you bring them before, the, before Jesus and you leave them at the cross and you walk away and then you wonder mm, and you doubt. And then things go bad for you. Why? Jesus says here, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Is Jesus not trustworthy? Can we not trust Jesus? You know what we need? We need to believe. Oh, I believe. I believe. Really? Put it to the test once. See if you really do believe. I mean, this is a good thing that you can do for yourselves. I do this sometimes. I'm ashamed to tell you that... Uh, I don't know for sure if I do believe. I tell you that I do believe, and I trust Jesus, I do, but how long? What does it take? What does it take to break you? What does it take to make you doubt? In this world, you will have difficulties, problems, but let's remember that in our text, our text says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, he says, because the Father and I are one. 
And he says, I only do what the Father commands me to do. We, in this world, we believe just about anyone, we seem to believe just about anyone or anything. When the doctor calls and says, uh, you go to a doctor and the doctor says, you have cancer, you have six months to live, we believe that. Many people believe in a horoscope, and the horoscope tells you you're going to have a rough year, rough day. What do you do? You believe it. When your father tells, told you that you weren't going to amount to anything, or your dad tells, or your mom tells you that you're not going to amount to anything, what do you do? You believe that. And now you're full of fear. Well, when, when you were growing up and your peers, they're pushing you in a corner and, and, and reminding you and telling you that you were absolutely no good and picking on you and all that kind of thing. You believe that. And then they said sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. You believe that lie too. And that's what it is, is a lie. You know how many Christian people are walking on this earth that are scarred on the inside? Yes, that doesn't define us. No, it does not. But you know how many hurts there are when, when, when you talk to someone and they say, well, I, I still remember, and, and, and that scar is still there. The wound is still there. And when you get in an airplane, I remember this, and I'm saying this because I just did this, got into the airplane, I believed that the, air, that, that the pilot was going to actually get us where, to my destination, where I was going to go. Then you get into a cab, and you, want, you say to the cab, you, I want you to take me to, to the, air, or to the uh, hotel, and we believe that he will. We believe all of that. And then we have a lot of problems, and we don't know how to deal with them, and then the enemy comes and says, hey, you need relief. That's what you need. You're not thinking clearly, you need a vacation, let me buy you a drink. And you let the enemy buy you a drink. The world says, I've got the answer for you. You just can't think. Then you have a drink, then you have the second and the third one, and the next morning you wake up and what happens? Now you got double the problems that you had before. Oh, no, I can't handle this. Now you go back at it again and say, you know, I remember the feeling last night that was good, so I just need some more. And before too long, you're addicted. You can't do without it. But it's not enough, and then you start getting into the drugs. This is, this is the general population that we, that, that, that's all around us. But this drug isn't strong enough anymore. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. I just heard of a person, a young person who, who was in this situation. Didn't know, didn't know that uh, sin would lead him farther than he wanted to go, and he overdosed. Too late. It's too late now. But then someone comes and says, I know the answer. I, I, I don't know the answer, but I know the one who does have the answer for your troubles. And we say, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know if I believe that. Doubt enters us. But yet we believe the world. Men we believe, but God we doubt. The Bible says that uh, 
that he cares for us, not the world. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. God says, I've come to give you life and that in abundance. We do not find help in alcohol and drugs or any other pleasures of life. They're temporary. It's sad to say that people we've never even seen before, we believe, but the Word of God we do not believe. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest, we doubt. We don't see, we, we don't see how that's going to change anything. So we're, we're, we're thinking, well, how could I, what could I possibly do? And Jesus says, come. I'm your all in all. I can help you. I'm your life. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. So I will give you rest. I dare say we, we, we try him sometimes. I don't think we do. But the Lord does know our situation. He does know our difficulties. And he does know that we are, that we are struggling. And he does know what we need. And we have a, we have a help a helper in time of need that we just need to go to. So what's the real solution then, you say? And for God to, for the Lord to set us free, one step, the first step that we need to do is we need to know Him. We need to know God. What do you do um, with a person you don't know? I mean, how can you even trust someone that you don't know? When Annie and I were going to get, uh, when I got to know Annie, I wasn't even thinking of marriage at that time. When I got to know her, I spent a lot of time with her because I wanted to really find out who she was. I wanted to know her likes, her dislikes. I wanted to know her character. I wanted to know her, her desires. I wanted to know her future. I wanted, to desire, I wanted to know what she really wanted. And so I spent as much time with her as I, could, uh, as I possibly could to the point what, that, that, that we said, you know what, I think we can trust each other, and we got married. I spent time. This is also how we develop a relationship with Almighty God. We need to spend time in the Word. We need to, we need to study His Word. We need to walk with, with Him. I just said to somebody the other day, I said, we're talking about this, and I said, I talk to God all the time. I, I do. And sometimes I'm, I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. I hope people aren't going to watch me or see me or hear me all of a sudden. Because I do. Go down the road, for instance. You talk to God. I said, God, what do I do in this situation? Sometimes I say, God, if you left it in my hand, I would take care of that problem real quick. But I talk to God. I love God. I love it that we can come to Him anytime. And if I can't talk to, to Him with an audible voice, I may not be talking to Him audibly, but I'm still talking to Him. I love God. He says, well, I don't know about that. that I don't know about that. I don't know. That that's, doesn't matter. Do you believe Him? Do you, do you want to spend time with Him? Do you want to get to know Him? After all, I mean, if you're going to trust the Savior, if you're going to trust, trust the Lord, don't you think that you ought to know Him to be able to trust Him? I mean, after all, how can you trust Him if you don't know Him? I want to know all about my Lord. To have a relationship with God, we need to spend time with Him in His Word, in prayer, walk with Him, talk with Him, and dedicate 
time to him and study his word. Now, I'm not talking about uh, the, the 10 minutes that uh, sometimes we give him in the morning. I, I mean, if we have time. I'm talking about that we need to have a certain time that we set aside and say, this is God's time. The government has given us one day out of the year that he says we're going to take this day aside and this is dedicated solely to the family. And we should have only 365 days set aside for Almighty God. That's what we should have. And those are the days that we should walk with him, talk with him, commune with him, establish a relationship with him. I heard, I overheard someone talking the other day, and the lady said, I've read, I've read a lot of books, already read 15 books this year, and we're just in February. I thought that was impressive. Oh, what books are you reading? And she would know all the authors, and she would name them, and oh, it sounded so good. She didn't talk about the Bible, uh, and I wasn't there to criticize but she said something that really caught my attention. She says, I am to the point where I cannot put a book down or without knowing the author and without finishing the book. And I thought, how unfair. How unfair for God, the author of the Bible, that we don't take time and dedicate some, uh, some time, that we don't read it from cover to cover, that we don't actually establish a race. It's not fair to the author. A valuable lesson she taught me there that, that morning. A valuable lesson. I've dedicated to myself to, to give more time to, to God's Word. And, and the first thing that happens when we do that is the enemy pays attention. He says, hey, but, but what about that? that that's going to start hurting if you don't do this. You have, to make a, you have to make a choice for yourself. I've decided that I'm going to, this is going to be a new year for me. I did that at the beginning. I, haven't, I didn't make a resolution. I don't do resolutions very well. If I do that, I fail very quickly. I'm the first one to fail. But I said to God, I said, I'm going to be better. And the only way that I can do that is if I spend time with Him. If, if my family is hurting, what am I doing? Why they are hurting? Or what am I doing to stop the hurt? What is my obligation as a leader, whether a leader in the family, in my business, in the community, while you're driving down the highway, or in church, or anywhere that you are? We're all a leader. Someone is watching you. Someone is following you. What kind of leader are you? I often said to Annie, I said, if I could be the leader out on the highways, if I could be a, the guy at, uh, at the front we would drive differently. I'm not so sure that I would. In, in, a, in a heated moment, uh, that's, that's what I would say. When you know Christ, and only when we trust Christ, can we come to Him and trust Him for our issues, for our cancer, for our struggling families, for our marriage that is so suffering, for our children, and only through Him we can come to Him and find healing and comfort.
And it's the people that we love the most that we hurt the most. That is sad. When you know the one that you, the one who can give you peace and joy in the middle of your circumstances, these things are all temporary. They're passing through. There's coming a day when all this will be done. But in the meantime, we can live. He's given us everything for life and godliness. We can live with a lot less trouble that we have. I agree that this life isn't going to be easy, but I believe it's way harder than, we, than, than, than it has to be. You believe in God, also believe in me, he says. And when you go through hard times and dark valleys, remember he is with you. He will never, never leave you. Billy Graham, the other day in a short video, said that sometimes I feel Jesus so near that I feel like I could dance. He said, I feel him so near, but he says there are other times that I don't feel Jesus at all. He's in the college now, and he writes his mom, and he says, Mom, I don't feel Jesus near. And his mom says, remember, you accepted Jesus a long time ago. And when you don't feel him, it may be that he is the nearest to you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And we need to believe that. But the enemy says, yeah, yeah where's your Jesus? Why is all these things happening? If, you, if, if he really cared for you, I doubt you would go through this. And you need to stand up and you need to, you need to say, you need to rebuke him. Because you have the power within you to do that. In the name of Jesus. But Jesus comes and he says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. For He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, according to Hebrews 13. At his second coming, Jesus will put an end to this. And anymore, I'm impressed at how many people actually are waiting for that day. Lately, we've been talking to different people, uh, and people say, you know, I, I, I can't wait for that day. I am just so excited for that day. Why? Because then all the hurt will be gone. All the pain and suffering will not be there anymore. We're going to be home free. Home free, folks. The Lord will come again, whether you believe it or not. He'll come again. Whether you're saved or not, the Lord will come again and He will receive you to Himself that where He is, we may be also. I don't know about you folks this morning, but I, I highly doubt that I'm the only one that's going through some difficulties, trials, struggles, problems in my life. And as many people as there are here this morning and people who are watching online, there is hurt everywhere. I know it. And Jesus says, I have the solution for you. And he says, come. Come to me. I will help you. But you need to get to know him to be able to trust him. 
This morning, I would like to ask you, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Actually, I don't doubt that you have a relationship, but how good is your relationship? I've also said that I wanted to spend more time with my wife. So I have a relationship with my wife, but how good is your relationship with your wife? Right? Yeah, I can call her my wife. Oh, okay, so that's, that, that's good, but no, that's not good enough. You need to have a relationship with her. You need to spend time with her. But I thought I got married and that's that. No, 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 wait a minute here. Somebody told me that, uh, that your, your honeymoon isn't over yet. You should never stop dating. When you get married, that's just the beginning of it. Before the marriage was just preparation to get married, now the real dating starts. I think I've forgotten what that's like. We don't believe. In Mark 9, 23 and 24, we read of a, of a man who came and brought his son, who was demon-possessed, to the disciples to drive the demon out, but they couldn't do that. So they bring this boy to Jesus, and the man says, uh, your disciples couldn't drive this demon out. And then he says, if there's anything that you could do, have compassion, he says. And Jesus says to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, to, said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my lack of faith. That's where I am at. Help my lack of faith. This will come to pass. He says, but if I go to prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. So he has not forsaken us. He cannot. You know why he can't? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's, he said he doesn't change. He's coming for you. So what does this mean? It simply means that whatever we're going through, don't let it define you. It is passing through. It is temporary. Do not forsake the assembly of one another. Why is he saying that? Because if the enemy can keep you isolated and by yourself, it's like taking that log out of the fire, the burning log out of the fire, and putting it by itself, while the rest of it here is just burning nicely and all, it's just, it's healthy, you can see this single one is dying down. And that's what the enemy has come to do, to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can do that by isolating you, keeping you by yourself, then he's, then he's the winner. We need one another. We are, there's no long ranger here. I can't do this myself. I've decided also that I'm going to spend more time with believers. I'm going to be edified by the believers. They're going to help me. I'm going to be able to, to have fellowship with them. The more that I have fellowship with them, the more I'm going to fill my heart with that kind of thing. I heard a pastor just... Uh, a couple of weekends ago, there's, a, there's a, a priest, actually a pastor and a carpenter. And they, they, were, they were building something. Uh, they had a project that they were building. 
So the, uh, the carpenter takes, and uh, he's got the hammer. Most of you now know, already know where I'm going with this. And he hit the wrong nail. Happens to be his fingernail. And he cursed. He let a curse word out. He swore. And then he realized, oh, sorry, pastor. That was the last snake that was in there. The pastor says, no, no, that wasn't the last snake that was in there. That was the snake that didn't fit in there that came out now. He says, because for what your heart is full of, your mouth will overflow. For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. I have decided that I'm going to fill my, my heart with uh, fellowship, with the Word of God. Because it's not necessary that we, that we go through some of these trials that we're going through, some of these problems. We don't know how to deal with them. It's not necessary. We have Jesus who says, come to me, I'll give you rest. Are your needs so big that you cannot see your way clear? Because if you said yes, I would say right on. That's good. Because, you know, it, as long as we think that we've got this, we don't need Jesus. Then we can figure this out ourselves. That's how we are. But if the problems are so big that we cannot see our way clear, Jesus says, I'll do it for you. I'll help you. Remember when Jesus walked on water and the sea was raging. But when he got into the boat, the sea was calm. So Jesus, in, in, in the middle of our problems, there will be calm, calmness. There will be peace. There will be joy. Oh, you have little faith, he says. But in the middle of the storm, we must believe that he is with us. He doesn't just push us into a storm. He walks through the storm with us. He is there when we don't feel him. He's there when we feel him. He is our all in all. Jesus is, 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 is the answer. Not alcohol, not drugs, not believing that the world has an answer. That's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. When we don't focus, or when, rather, when we do focus on the problems around us, then we begin to sink like Peter did. The other day, somebody says, yeah, well, you know what? I thought I had it all together, and then, well, this happened. As to say, I gave up. And many people actually at that point do give up. You know what's sad about that is, is that we think that it's, it's work-based performance. We must perform to be accepted by God. And we don't need to perform to be accepted by God. We're accepted by God as it is. His son shed his blood and he's accepted us. But when we do fall and we do have those issues, we need to get back up. Folks, Jesus cannot help us if we're not, uh, if we're not saying, Lord, help me. But the minute that we do, we have to understand that he reaches out his hand and he's willing to help us. And when we get overwhelmed by our circumstances is when we begin to sink. 
It is then. Folks, it is then that we need to call upon Jesus when we have problems. But when everything is good, we don't even think about Him. Oh, maybe, maybe we do. Maybe we think a little bit about it. But when is it that you, that, that you cling to Him the most? <laughs> when you don't know what to do. When you are at the end of uh, whatever, that's when you cling to Him. And I love it when there's brothers that come to me and say, well, you know what? Have you, have you walked what you preach? <laughs> no. That's why. And, not, and, and I think more people should do that, actually. We should, we should, because we actually have an obligation to go and help a brother if a brother is sinking. We, we have an obligation. But seldom do we practice it. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, how, how beautiful isn't that? You have problems? You, are you overwhelmed? You don't know where to, where to go with your problems? Do you want help? Are you willing to admit that we need help? Are you willing to call out to Christ? for help, because that's where our answer is in Him. I want to close in prayer with Psalm 23. So if you'll bow with me, please. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of, of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.